welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Back to the Gospel of John, chapter number 10. Amen. The Gospel of John, chapter number 10. And we'll begin at verse 26, where we've been uh, taken as our launch point uh, for this series. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, I've had to, for the most part, switch to another Bible because my preaching Bible I preached in for 20 years is. I can't hardly open it without every the pages falling out on it. And so uh, my wife's been encouraged me to get it rebound, but I've had friends that have done that, and they said you don't have the same feel anymore because they make you take out all your Post-it notes. And, and I said, well, man, if I do that, I lose three-quarters of my sermons. I, I have to remember where all they went. And uh, so I started here the last few months using uh, this Bible, which comes from our headquarters, and it's and I, I, it's so soft. And then I got to looking at it, and Brother Chase, you guys, the men, bought this for me in March of 2013 at men's conference ten years ago, and because I needed a new preaching Bible then, and they they saw it and they got me this, but it took me ten years to switch. And my wife can verify that. I keep my shoes and boots until there's big old holes in the bottom of them. And they can't resole them anymore. I, I, I hold them. I've got shoes I've had for over for 20-something years, and I still wear them. Uh, I'll hold on to them. And so, um, Lord, be good to me. I'll get another 20 years out of this one. Amen. Praise God. John chapter 10. I'm going to reference that in a minute because we're, get, we're talking about the Word of God. And... Uh, you need to have a sword. Amen. And so you need to have a Bible that you can put your put your hands on. I, I read off my phone and iPad too, but hopefully you got one in your house or in your car or something that you can put, put lay eyes on and uh, pray with and let God speak to you through. Amen. But you believe, but you believe not because you are not of my sheep as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand my father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand I and my father are one amen and we're going to continue on here tonight with the help of God on knowing the will of God amen let's pray Jesus we thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, because your word is life. Your word is strength and direction and hope. And Lord, I am asking that you would open our understanding tonight and give us revelation that only comes from you. And give us strength, Lord, and give us insight to be able to know your will and to not just walk after it, but live in it name of Jesus we pray and everyone said amen amen God bless you you can be seated amen now we have um, we have been talking for I don't know how many weeks on this particular subject on knowing the will of God and really there's no set end time uh, to it for me I'm just kind of going with it I think there's some some great things God is showing um, us, maybe not, if not you, uh, even me. I don't know, is anybody, has God shown you anything in this? And I pray that it's helped you. Uh, but we have talked about, I'm not going to do a complete recap. I, I don't want to take too much time to do that. But know that that we have talked about that the, the will of God, we broke it up into two different aspects. The will of God as in the purpose of God. What is the purpose of God in my life, that that will of God. And then tonight, we will introduce the second phase of knowing the will of God. We kind of bumped it last week, and that is the will of God, amen, as in inheritance, as in not just 
purpose of God, but possession from God. Amen. And so we're going to talk about that. And we talked at, at quite a great length last week about how important it was to know how to, um, or we spent a few weeks talking about how important it is to get in Christ. Amen. We know that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is Christ in us, but we need to take the next step and get in Christ. And that can only happen through relationship. That doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen when you speak in tongues or get baptized. Getting in Christ is totally different. That takes, that takes uh, persistency. You don't pray one prayer and get in Christ. It's, it's a lifestyle of discipleship. It's living after the Lord until, until you start noticing that, that you're not the way you used to be. Right? You, you start picking up characteristics of God. Now, some, that makes some people a little uncomfortable to say, the, now I'm not talking about the characteristics of God as in, you know, you blow your nose and part Lake Berryessa. I'm not talking about the characteristics of God where you walk across your swimming pool. We're, we're talking about the characteristics of God's nature and, and personality of what the Word of God declares for us and tells for us. That, and, and we can only get that. We can only get that by knowing God. We can only get that by knowing who Jesus is, knowing the Word of God, and seeking after God in a lifestyle of prayer and in the Word of God. Now, there, this is where the, the modern, um, I wouldn't even say church. I think it's just our modern culture uh, where we, we get in a little trouble is we are very impatient when it comes to things that we desire and we want. Uh, some, you know, some people get saved and, and uh, you know, they want to be a bishop the next week. You know, it doesn't work like that. They, they get saved, and they want to be the choir director in, in three weeks. It doesn't work like that. You know, there, there is some time. There is some relationship that has to be built. There is some, um, if you would, there is some testing that you got to walk through. We talked about that last week, how, how that God, um, Paul continuously wrote about the mystery of God and, and that the, the, the knowledge and the wisdom of God, we read about that in Ephesians, um, or excuse me, in Colossians 2, and how it was hidden. It was a hidden treasure, but that it was hidden in God, and that for us to know it, we need to seek it. It was almost if Paul was echoing that which Jesus had told his disciples when he said, Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. Ask, and it shall be given to you. In other words, there is a persistency that has to be on our part, amen. There, there's a song uh, that says, "Chasing, I'm chasing after you, uh, no matter what I have to do. I love that song. Uh, there's an element of that that we have to have in our life, but it's, it's not a chase in the sense as if you're trying to catch the dog who got out the front door. It's, it's, not, it's not a reckless pursuit of no end. It, it is a journey. It is a relational pursuit. Amen. You remember how you, when you were dating, you did things to impress your future spouse. Uh, guys, we think women are impressed with our biceps, so we constantly tell them directions like this, you know, or whatever it is that we do. <laughs> and, 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 and so it's that way with God. Not that we're trying to do things to impress God, but that we are showing him through our devotion that we're committed to him. And there, there needs to be a, um, um, I want to be careful how I say this, but there needs to be a, re because I'm not, just, I'm not just talking about our local assembly, I'm talking about all, all born-again believers. There needs to be a revival of commitment, a, a revival of consecration and commitment to the Word of God, amen, that says, I don't care what the world does or what the world says or what churches across town or uh, that my family, what they allow in the door, I'm going to stand for what's right on the big and um, on, on the, the little issues. I, I, I mentioned this last night. We, we have to take this, we have to now take this clear stand in our life that we are going to stand on the side of Jesus. I, I'm, I'm made that, and for me to take a stand for God's word means I'm probably going to have to take a stand against a lot of things that people I know are for. 
and that might make me unpopular with friends and might make me unpopular even with family and might might get me um, mislabeled. Now, I, I'm going to say something. I said this last night, and uh, hold on to your feelings and protect them because I really don't, I'm not trying to hurt them. Uh, but this week, the... Um, the Democrat legislator of Washington voted in the state of Washington that if you do not give your child a sex change, that the state can take your child from you and give that child a sexual transformation surgery. Don't, don't take my word for it. Go research it. So it's never been easier for me to say I will stand against that party and those people with everything I have. I'm not saying the other one's a whole lot better. But what I am saying is when you stand with God, you're going to have to stand for what's right. And when they go, we, we have to draw the line somewhere. And I, I see these preachers coming out, you know, saying that this is a good thing, that this is what, the, I can't find that in the word of God. And, and we, we have been, we have been uh, berated into believing that, that if you don't support every agenda of those people, well, then you're the most, and you throw out the worst adjective there is, and that's what you must be. You must be homophobe, transgenderphobe, racist, bigoted, whatever, when there's no truth to that at all. We're just standing for what's right. And we're, we're not going to move the line of what's right. We're going to stand on the line of what God says is right. And we're going to hold the line right there. And I can't imagine any Holy Ghost-filled person being able to go along with those people. I can't imagine any Bible-believing person say, yeah, I know that they, but, but I don't personally, but, you know, I, I think they're our best choice. They're going after our children. To take your child against your will, kidnap your child, we're going to stand for what's right. And I'm saying that to say, you better know the word of God. And we better be willing to take the heat and the... And look, I know, I'm in the Bay Area, California saying this. I, I ain't scared. I know I can be mislabeled and, I, and people get offended and, and get all in their feelings about it, and that's fine. But my thing is, I, I am going to stand for what's... And it is time for the church to be vocal about this. I said, it's time to be vocal about this. I don't care about the tax this and all that, but when it comes to our children, we need to get vocal about this. We need to say, no, this is unacceptable. And if you're for that, I'm not for you or your team or anybody on your team. I don't want anything to do with you. And they've made it clear that if you don't accept that, then they don't accept you. That's fine. I made up my mind a long time ago to accept Jesus. And live in a way that he would accept me. Amen. It's not going to be easy to make a right stand in the last day. But we got to know the will of God. We got to know the word of God and fall in love with the word of God and say, we're going we're gonna to stand with what's right. Amen. I'm, I'm preparing you for that uh, because that day is not coming. It is already here. It is already what I just said. And a lot of churches and a lot of so-called Christian churches, what I just said in the last five minutes uh, would get me ran out. And it's sad. But we've got to, this is why I keep on this series, I keep going to, we got to get in the word. Don't, don't just believe it because I said it. Don't just believe it because I said it's a tenet of who we are in our faith. You need to get in the word of God and see what the word of God says. Either this is the word of God or it's just some outdated book. I happen to believe it's the word of God. Inerrable, infallible, immutable, indestructible. It's unequivocal about its stand for righteousness. Amen. So I didn't say that to get your ire up. I, got, I said that because you've got to get in the word and know it and not be intimidated to take a stand for what's right. Amen. We kept our mouth shut through the 90s when things were happening. 
And we'd said, well, we're not going to get involved in that. In the early 2000s, well, we're not going to get involved in that. And then Prop 8 came and went. We said, we're not going to get involved. But some of us did. Uh, and we said, we're not going to get involved in that. And then we're not going to get involved in that. Um, the world is, America's not in this condition because sinners are sinners. America's in this condition because churches have backslid. We've lost prayer. We've, and when you lose prayer, you lose righteousness. That we've lost our relationship with God. Most denominations have walked away from God. They only hold formalities. It, it, it's just a remnant of what it used to be. But I'll tell you what churches are growing. You can do all the researches you want. The churches that are growing are churches that, hung, that hang on to the tenets of the faith of the word of God and will not back up and will not move. And by the grace of God, we're going to be that church. Amen. We're not going to be mean about it. Not going to be prideful about it. We're not going to beat anybody over the head. We, we're going to love everybody. And everybody is welcome. I want to make that very clear. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's going to be loved. Everybody's going to be treated right. But it doesn't mean that we're going to compromise the word of God to do that. We have an obligation to stick with God's word. Amen. Praise God. And so I, I'm saying that to say you've got to know the word of God. You've got to, know, you've got to, you, you've got to get in the word of God. You've got to fall in love with the word of God uh, because in knowing the word, you're building your relationship with God. There's power in that word. Amen. There's power. In the, the, the word of God is so powerful, as we've said before, that God, God said, I am my word. If God breaks his word, he ceases to be God because he is his word. He said heaven and earth would pass away, but his word would never pass away. We need to, we need to get a, listen, I already told you last week, I, I, I've let the cat out of the bag. This whole lesson, this whole series is about getting us to fall in love with God's word and to understand how, how important it needs to be in our life. I was uh, reading a book here recently um, about the Jewish rabbinical traditions um, and what it took to be a rabbi. And um, I didn't uh, say this last night, but that's okay. Um, there was a lot of work that went into being a rabbi, and Jesus was a rabbi. As a matter of fact, he was called rabbi, teacher, master. And uh, to be called a rabbi was, was no small feat. It wasn't like you joined you know, the United uh, Rabbi Temples International and you got a license and ordained. It was a very arduous. The only one that could ordain you to be a rabbi was another rabbi. And um, to, to be a rabbi, now, now, now understand this. All boys, by the time they were 13 to 15 years of age, could quote the first five books of the Bible. All of them. That's pretty impressive. Uh, they didn't have chapter and verse, but this is why you will hear Jesus continually talking about the scriptures. Right? You'll hear Jesus uh, talk about scripture. They, they said to, but to be a rabbi, you, you had to know the first five books, all the law of Moses, and all known books of the prophets back then, and of the kings and of the chronicles. So basically, the rabbis had memorized what we consider the entire Old Testament. It was memorized. And not only that, but what we would call, what we would call extras or, or books that are commentaries, things that have not been canonized um, in, our, in our Holy Bible, uh, like the book of the Maccabees and the first, second book of, um, of Esther and these different ones that they memorized and and as commentary to the word of God. And so Jesus knew all of that. All the boys knew how to, that's why Peter could stand up even as, even as unlearned as he was, he could still quote from Joel. He knew it. They, they knew that the power, they knew the power of the word of God. So to become a rabbi wasn't easy. It took years to be a rabbi. As a matter of fact, when you, when you attached yourself to a rabbi, it was by invitation only. Uh, I can't quote the phrase in 
in, in Hebrew, but it's, it's something like Laharamekshima, which means that the rabbi would literally just walk by you and say, come follow me. And 99.9% and of Jewish boys would drop whatever they were doing and follow after the rabbi. This is what Jesus said to all 12 of his disciples. Come follow me. And they dropped what they did and they took off after him. It was in the tradition of the rabbi. And they followed him. That's why they would call him master and rabbi and teacher. And not only that, not only they're, they're, they would give themselves. They would learn to, to even mimic the voice inflections of their rabbi. They would learn his his cadence of speech they would his mannerisms they they, they said that the the studying uh, to be rabbis I, I, I can't remember what the Jewish uh, terminology is for that is the apprentice to the rabbi uh, that there were groups anywhere from one uh, to 20 or 30 that would live they would the, these rabbis became fathers to these uh, men uh, they were mentors and this is why Jesus would say you have many teachers but you have few fathers he was talking to them in that manner. I know I'm taking a long road around this, but I hope you'll get something out of it. They learned the mannerisms of everything of that rabbi. As a matter of fact, uh, the scholars say that they would learn to, if the rabbi ate their food left-handed, they would all eat the food left-handed. If he ate the protein first, they ate the protein first. Matter of fact, they changed, they changed what they ate based upon that rabbi. Whatever he ate, they ate. However he said it, they said it. What he wore, they wore. How he walked, they would mimic his gait of walk. This is why Paul, when he said, when Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, remember the Greek word is actually imitate me as I imitate Christ. Duplicate me as I, that's what the disciples were doing. That's why they hung on his every word. When Jesus told them, said, why don't you leave and follow the five plus thousand that have walked away? And then what did Peter say to Jesus? He said, where would we go? Thou hast the words of life. What he was saying was, you're my rabbi. I've walked away from everything to follow you. I now eat the food you eat. I now drink the drinks you drink. I now walk in the same shoes that you have because I'm in love with the word that you are teaching. They weren't following Jesus for his personality. They were following Jesus because of his insight to the word of God and the power and the authority. That What I'm trying to get to you is this tonight, that if you are going to be a true... If I'm going to be, let me put it on me, if I'm going to be a true follower of Christ, I've got to fall in love with the words of Christ. Amen. If we're going to be true disciples of Christ, we need to mimic Christ. Amen. I don't know that Christ had a southern accent, but I hope he did because I'm doing my best to mimic it. Amen. What, what he ate, where he walked, how he talked. I want that because I want to love what my rabbi loves. I want to love what my master loves. I want to love what my savior loves, what my Lord loves. I want to love what he loves. I don't want to just, just love him because he died on a cross. And that's all powerful and wonderful. I'm not belittling that. But I want to love him for what he, I want to love what he loved. I want to imitate his love. I, I want to be able to show that compassion to the sinner. I want to be able to show that love to the disheartened. I want to be able to show that grace. I want to, I mean, when he saw uh, Judas, I, I can't get over this. When he saw Judas and, and Judas was betraying him, he knew Judas had betrayed him. And yet he looked at him and, and Brother Strickland, he called him friend. He could have rebuked him. He could have cast him into the pits of hell, but he didn't. He just looked at him and he gave him the same consideration he had given him for three years as he mentored him and called him friend. Oh God, help me to follow in love with your word so much that I can give that kind of love and that kind of compassion even to the one who has sold me out. We got we to gotta fall in love with the word of God. Why? Well, because Ephesians 1, we, we, we touched on this. In Ephesians 1 and beginning at verse number 8, Paul writes and says, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. We talked about prudence and wisdom. 
um, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Everybody say the mystery of his will. Now that word will, again, is twofold. It is the purpose of God, the mystery of the purpose of God for our life. And now we're going to tackle the second portion of that will, which is a legal term, as in possession, all right? We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about that. According to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, which are both in heaven and which are on earth even in him. you got to key in on verse 11. Key on verse 11. Watch this. In whom? Now, again, who is that whom? Jesus. That's right. You all passed the test tonight. Amen. If you if you would have said, uh, you know, Barney or Mickey Mouse or something, we we just had to go home and eat pizza or something. But you all got the right answer, all right? In whom? In Jesus, we have, uh, in Jesus also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Jesus, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Everybody say, obtained an inheritance. Now, verse 12, let's jump down to, uh, uh, for sake of time, let's just jump to verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So I want to familiarize you with some legal terms as we get into the latter part of our lesson tonight. One is a will and testament. Everybody is familiar with that, right? A will and testament. A will is a document, a legal document or a testament that declares what the inheritance is for the inheritor or the beneficiary. Now, the testator is the one who is the benefactor. It is the one who is giving the inheritance and whatever it is. Now, I've never been, you know, given anything of tremendous value through an inheritance. I think I've got some stuff that at a pawn shop might get me 20 bucks or something like that, right? I've never had to sit down at a mahogany table with um, um, Jekyll, Heckle, and Clyde Law Firm Association to read out a will to me. But I know enough to know that, that the testator is the, the authority because he determines what is given and to whom it's given to and under what conditions it's given. It all resides with the testator. It's all documented in a testament, in a will. And it's given to the inheritor or the beneficiary. Let me break it down. God is the testator. The Bible is the testament. And we are the beneficiaries. Hallelujah. This Bible is more than just a collection of stories since the beginning of man. This Bible is the living will and testament of God Almighty to his people upon this earth. Oh, it makes me want to makes me want to get in the Bible even more. Amen. Praise God. It, this is the living will and document of God, amen, to the beneficiary or to the inheritor, and that is us. Now, let me just say something about the inheritance uh, really quick uh, tonight, or actually not really quick. I want to key in on uh, tonight is this. Amen. You don't earn an inheritance. Let me say that again. You don't earn the inheritance. You can't buy the inheritance. Because an inheritance is something that has already been earned, that has already been purchased, and that has already been worked for. This is why we're called the beneficiary, which simply means blessed. Benny is a root word of the Greek and Latin, which means to bless. 
in, in Latin languages, if bene is, is, is blessed. It means good. And we are the beneficiaries. We are the blessed. We are the, we are the recipients of the blessing that I could not earn. Through my works, I could not earn my own salvation. Through, through my works, through my goodness, through my kindness, through my compassion, through my uh, paying of penance and religious obligations, I could have never earned the forgiveness of God or the mercy of God. But guess what God did? He robed himself in flesh and came to this earth. Yes, he did. And knowing that I would never be able to pay for my own inheritance, that I would never be able to get forgiveness and mercy and salvation on my own, Jesus came that he might repair the breach between fallen man and a holy God. And he went to the cross. And he didn't take his sins to the cross because he had no sin. The Bible said he took your sin and he took my sin. I know it's an old story, but I still love it. Took your your sins and my sins and the Bible said nailed them to his cross Amen. He became the sacrificial lamb. He shed his blood that I might not have to shed my blood. He gave his life in place of my life. He took my sin and my shame. He was despised and rejected. Amen. He went to his own, but his own received him not. He did all of that so he could purchase my salvation and purchase your salvation. I want you to know the inheritance of God is more than just a new car or a better house. I'm glad I get salvation. I'm glad I get a relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now watch this. Jesus goes as a propitiation. Amen. He takes our place. He goes to the cross in our stead. He gives up his life. Amen. We just celebrated the resurrection. He rose again on the third day. Amen. He sent his spirit back to dwell with inside of mortal man that we might have a relationship with God. Amen. And then the Bible, Paul said that, that Jesus didn't stop there. The Bible said he was was the firstborn among many brethren. He was the first, oh, I feel like shouting. He was the firstborn among the, among the dead, the firstborn among many brethren. And what that meant was is that he came in and he gave us a right to enter into the family of God. He gave us a right to step into relationship with God that if we would come out from among the world and be separate and touch not the unclean thing that he would receive us unto him and and we would be his people and he would be our God. But the best part is that he would be our father and we would be his sons and daughters. And we couldn't have earned that. We couldn't have done it. We couldn't have went to church enough to do that. We couldn't have learned enough prayers to do that. But Jesus stepped in as the sacrifice slain from the foundations of the world. He stepped in and he said, I'll be the firstborn among many brethren. I'll be the firstborn. I'm going to open the door for you to step into the family of God. I'm going to open the door. I'm going to be the bridge between the power, the majesty, the holiness, the righteousness of God. And I'm going to let you in. You couldn't have done it on your own, but I'm going to let you in. And Paul said that he, we became heirs and that we became heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We became heirs and that means we have the equality of inheritance with Christ. Just let that marinate a little bit. I'm going to let that soak in a little bit. I didn't say that. The Bible said that. Because we're heirs and joint heirs with Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is of the seed of Abraham. 
which means that Christ, that when he gave his life for us and we were baptized in his name and filled with the Holy Ghost, Jesus took a Gentile bride. That's you and me, those of us who are not born of the Jewish bloodline, of the bloodline of Adam and the bloodline of, or of Abraham and the bloodline of David. He took those of us who were alien, the Bible said, and cut off. Amen. We were a whole other creation than them. And Jesus stepped in and said, now I'm the heir. I am the second. Adam. I am the son of God. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to reach over and I'm going to bring you into this. And if you're in me, then you're of the seed of Abraham and every promise to Abraham now belongs to you and every blessing of Abraham now belongs to you. How do I know that? Because it's in the Testament. Amen. And everything God. Now listen, if, uh, now don't, don't let the, you know, sometimes when we talk in these terminologies, sometimes, you know, people, oneness people get a little sideways and we believe oneness to our bones. It's in the Bible. It's what it is. But everything that the Father had intended for Christ, he intended for us. And everything that God had intended for Christ to inherit. Christ stepped in and said, yes, me and my brethren will inherit that. That's what the Bible says. What's this? What's this? You are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Christ stepped in and said, you couldn't have earned this, but I did. So I'm going to make an addendum to the testament to include you in the same way it includes me. Hallelujah. You, you don't get your possession of the inheritance by your works you get your possession of the inheritance by your knowledge of the will and by your knowledge of the testator. You don't get your inheritance just because you name it and claim it. You get your inheritance when you know the will, the testament, and when you know the testator who executed the will. Let me say it like this. If you miss the reading of the will, you're going to miss your inheritance. If you miss the reading of the will, if you miss the reading of the will, we miss our inheritance. Because your inheritance is based on your knowledge of the will and testament. All of it. Every single word of it. This book, I'm telling you, we, we got to get out of the habit of only reading the Bible for the good parts. I'm sick. I'm going to go to the Bible. Oh, he's my healer. He's, yes, he's even more of that. He's my help in the time of trouble. He's even more than that. Not only is he your healer, but he's your keeper if he chooses not to heal. Hallelujah. Your inheritance is based on your knowledge of the will and testament and the testator. Listen, why do you think Jesus walked with so much authority? Because he walked with the word. He was the word manifest in the flesh. How are we going to be able to, 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 to win if we don't know the word? I mean, I'll get into this in the, few, in, in, in the coming weeks if the Lord allows, and that's his will, and we'll get into it. We, we can start talking about possessions and, and all of this stuff, and, and that's part of it. But well, let, me, let me just touch on it like this. Amen. When God declares something is yours, it's yours. 
It's not yours once you've worked for it. It's yours when he declares it and you have lived the process he has for your life. Isn't it amazing? God showed Joseph stars and moon and sun bowing before him, but he didn't show Joseph a pit, Potiphar's wife, prison. God doesn't tell you the valleys. He shows you the mountaintops. And the reason why, because if you knew the valleys, you wouldn't have started the journey. He gives you a vision of the mountaintop so that when all hell is breaking loose in the valley, you can say there, there's going to be a brighter day tomorrow. It's, it's going to get better. I'm not giving up. I've, I've caught a glimpse of where I'm going, and I ain't giving up. Amen. Some people wonder, why are you still serving God? Why are you still holding on? Because you haven't seen what I've seen. People that walk out on God, they never sat down and understood the will and testament that the testator gave to us. They never caught a glimpse of its beauty. They never caught a glimpse of its glory and its power and its majesty and how it sustains and gives. Amen. They never got caught up in falling in love. Amen. With the testament and the will from the testator who loved us so much that he gave his life for us on Calvary's hill. Amen. All they ever saw about living for God was the do's and the don'ts and they never saw the cans and wheels when you fall in love with the word come what may you're going to still serve God you can, you can have failures but you'll still serve God even in your darkest hour you'll remember the promise of God the promise of God you need to know the promise of God for your life that's, that I, I've had confidence in those situations where I thought my life was going to end, that I knew it wasn't going to end because God had promised me things I hadn't seen yet. So I just got to be confident. Amen. Now, when God says a thing is yours, you got to believe it's yours. Just because it's not in your possession doesn't mean it's not your possession. Amen. This is why God got so angry with Israel in the wilderness. Y'all got about eight, ten minutes left. This is why God got so angry with Israel in the wilderness with Kadesh Barnea. He got so angry when he said, go in and take the land that I have given you. It's a land that floweth with milk and honey. When I was a kid, I thought, man, rivers of milk and honey. Yeah, we were only read the King James, you know. Milk and honey, I, and I love milk and I love honey, but I couldn't imagine, I, I, would, I would in my little mind, I think, how do you swim through honey? Because it's pretty thick. I just thought, of, I'm, a, I was, I'm a very imaginative, especially as a kid, I had a very vivid imagination. And when they said something, I saw it and I believed it exactly like they said it. I said, man, I landed, and I'm talking about, you know, I was little, I was 14, you know. No, I was, I was a little kid. I was, you know, five, six years old, and, and I'm milk and honey, flows of milk and honey, and then I could imagine myself floating on an Oreo canoe. Right? Or a graham cracker canoe going through the honey. You know, I, I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Amen. Flowing with, and God said, I've given you a land that floweth with milk and honey. I've given you houses, amen, that you didn't have to build. I've given you vineyards you could reap of that you didn't plant. I'm, I'm given all, the, all of the treasure and the inheritance of the wicked and my laying up for you all their gold and their silver. I'm giving all of that to you. All you got to do is walk in and possess the land. And they sent out the spies and the spies came back. And the Bible said they gave an evil report because they contradicted what God said. They didn't get up and start cussing and saying bad words and telling dirty jokes. That was the evil report was that they said, yes, the land is exactly what God said it was going to be, but I don't think we're good enough. And their doubt was counted as evil in the sight of God. And God got so angry with them, he said, I'll let you suckers live at the KOA camp for 40 years. And they just wandered in the desert living in tents like a bunch of vagabonds 
just wandering through the desert, waking up every day, tearing the tent down and picking it up and just wandering within a two to three day hike of the land that God had promised them, the land that flowed with milk and honey, but they couldn't get out of their mind that there were giants in that land and that the homes were bigger than they had envisioned. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. And that the vineyards were bigger than they had imagined. Sometimes the promise of God can intimidate you. When God starts showing you what he really wants to do in your life, sometimes you kind of stagger back at it. But the Bible said Abraham staggered not at the promise of God. Israel staggered at the promise of God. They said the homes are bigger than we imagined. The vineyards are bigger than we imagined. The grapes are so big, two men had to carry one cluster. And they looked at that and not, they didn't look at that and say, how great is God? They looked at that and said, how great is my obstacle? I know it's an old cliche, but you need to get it in your heart. Stop telling God how big your mountain is and start telling your mountain how big your God is. Stop telling God how big the giants are in Canaan and start telling the Canaanites how big your God is. I'm talking about knowing the will of God for your life. And let me tell you something else about God. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. We might just have Sunday church. Let me tell you something else about the will of God. When God promises you something, often, most times, it's already in somebody else's possession. I don't, I don't want to get any misunderstandings. This does, not, this does not justify armed robbery. But oftentimes, God will give you a promise and somebody else is occupying your promise. I'm, t- I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. God will speak to you a thing and somebody else is, God will speak to you that position, promise you that position in the company and on the job and you're looking at the person occupying it and they got more degrees than you got, they got longer tenure than you've got, they got better experience than you got, but you got to quit being intimidated by the one who occupies your promise and have confidence in the God that said it's yours. He's only letting them occupy it until he gets ready to put, after he gets you to walk with him and learn the process and have faith in him to when you can step. Matter, matter of fact, there are some of you that God has promised jobs and positions and promotions and you believe it, but you haven't believed it enough yet to fill out the application. You haven't believed it enough yet to take it to prayer and faith and say, I believe God's going to do it. I haven't been there long enough. I don't have the tenure. I don't have the degree. I don't have this. I don't have that. But if if God told you it was yours when it's time, don't you start putting your tent back up and say, I'll stay here until the giants get smaller. You step out on the impossible and trust God for his will and his inheritance for your life. It's the will of God. Now, th- th- this will, inheritance, is not all about possession. Possession is probably the Material things, rather, is probably the smallest part of it, but it is part of it. And I'm going to use material uh, things to draw a spiritual application. There, there's a home out there, a house, maybe that God's promised you, but there's already occupants in them. Amen. Let them pay the bills a while. Right? You, you, you've, we've got to change our mindset that we stumble into blessings. Yes, that's it. This, God is good. Matter of fact, just back up to one. Let's put it in context. I'm going I'm to try to land a plane on this. Amen. You're going to have to help me, Brother Garza, where I ended here. Amen. Because we didn't go here last night. Amen. Oh, clap your hands, all you people, shouting to God with a voice of triumph. Verse 2. 
For the Lord most high is terrible. That means awesome. That, that, the, the equivalent to us is awesome. It doesn't mean, boy, he's terrible. You, you know, like, like pizza at a Chinese restaurant. Not like that. Amen. He's awesome. For the Lord most high is awesome. He's a great king over all the earth. Verse 3, he shall subdue the people. Now, hold on a second. Are you in Christ? Because if you're in Christ, this belongs to us. And the nations, verse 4, I'm letting your eyes read it. He shall, he shall choose our inheritance for us. Hmm. You don't get to choose the inheritance. We get, God chooses the inheritance that he has for us. I think the beauty of this psalm is David was saying, while you're clapping your hands and you're shouting unto God, while you're doing that, God is selecting an inheritance for you. I'm going to tell you, praise and worship is more than just to set the atmosphere for the, for the preaching. And praise and worship, and why we're saying, come on, clap your hands. Come on, shout to the Lord. Lift your voice. It's not because we're just trying to make a bunch of noise, but because Psalms 47 says that while I'm clapping my hands and while I'm shouting unto God with a voice of trust, while I'm doing that, God starts choosing my inheritance for me because I... I don't even know what to choose. Romans 8 says, when you don't know what to pray, the Spirit will pray for you in intercession. It's the same thing. When you begin to shout and you begin to clap your hands and when you begin to worship God, God starts selecting an inheritance for you. Oh, go ahead and just tell the Lord how much you love him right now. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, this ought to make you want to clap and shout more than you've ever clapped and shouted in your life. The excellency of Jacob, whom he loved. Y'all think Jacob got a pretty good inheritance? I think he did. He got renamed. He got renamed from heel catcher, supplanter, con man. He got his name changed from Jacob to Israel, a prince who has power, not just with God, but with man. While you're clapping and while you're shouting unto the Lord, he is selecting an inheritance for you. David said the excellent. David brought up Jacob because Israel knew exactly who Jacob was. Other words, David said, while you are clapping and you're shouting with triumph, God is selecting an inheritance for you that is on the same par that he gave with Jacob. It's a name-changing, identifying, changing, life-changing, world-altering, relationship-directing inheritance. Amen. You finish reading it. If I keep reading it, I'm gonna, I'm, uh, that's all I'm going to preach, and I won't get done. There's an inheritance for you. God chooses the inheritance. God chooses that inheritance for you. He chooses it for us. Amen. Now, Brother Lucas, if you'll come. What did Jesus do? He walked in authority, and he walked in the power, but he continually said, it's not my works but I do the works of him that 
He does the works of the testator. He says, I don't do it of my accord. I do it of my father, the one that sent me. Get uncomfortable with, if you're oneness, you shouldn't get uncomfortable with that terminology. I think sometimes some folks lose, they lose the power of the relationship of God being our father because they're too afraid to talk like that. He is my father. He said, I don't do the works of my own accord. I do the works of him that sent me. I am doing the works that the testator wants me to do. So when Jesus is led up of the spirit to go into the wilderness, to fast 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible said he was tempted of it. He went into warfare. And the Bible said that the devil would come to Jesus and he would quote scripture. The Bible does not say that Jesus got the praise team together and called a Sunday church service. The Bible said Jesus all three times says, it is written. How did he know it was written? He had already memorized the whole thing. And when the devil tried to skew the word of God just a little bit, he couldn't fool Jesus. Because Jesus was not only was he the living word, but he knew the word. He would unsheathe his sword three times and say it is written three times brother Chase he went to the will and testament and said nope this is what it is there's only one way to defeat Satan can't talk in tongues and defeat Satan can't just shout around the church and defeat Satan you got to use the word now we used to sing a song growing up in church now listen do you believe you're an, you're an, you're a beneficiary of the word you believe you're a beneficiary of the testament amen now we used to sing an old uh, song growing up in church Man, we'd shout all over the place. I still love the song. It says, I'm going to the enemy's camp. Remember that? I'm going to take back what he stole from me. Take back what he stole from me. Put him under my feet, under my feet, under my feet. Satan is under my feet. I'm going to go to the enemy's camp. Took back what he stole from me. I love that song. We'll, we'll probably sing it again. But it's really incorrect. Because John 10 said, it's our text we've been reading every week. No man shall. The devil stole my joy. The devil stole my peace. No, he didn't. You see, you negotiated it. If that peace came from God, he can't take it. If that joy came from God, he can't have that joy. If that blessing came from God, he can't take that blessing. Just makes sense. He said, no man shall pluck thee out of my hand. The devil doesn't have the power to reach into the inheritance of the beneficiary outside the will of the testator. He doesn't have that power. But what he does is he comes to us with stress and we surrender our peace. He comes to us with a lie and we decide to exchange. So really we should be singing, I'm going to the enemy's camp and take back what I gave to him. See, this changes our perspective of living for God that we're victims of the boogeyman. That we're victims of some 
Zorro mask wearing, shadow dwelling boogeyman that just jumps out and steals our joy. We walk out of church so full of the Holy Ghost and the devil's hiding behind the mailbox in the shadows and he's going to snatch that joy away and he's going to run away laughing. That's not he, he can't do that. He'll just come and present something to you. That's what he did to Jesus. He, listen, he was not going to use his B material on Jesus. He wasn't going to throw out some no-name pitcher on the mound against Jesus. He's putting out Sandy Koufax. Right? Nolan Ryan. He's putting out his best one. And he walks to Jesus and says, isn't it written? You see, what he did is he made a presentation. You take this, I'll take that. He didn't steal anything. Now, some of you are thinking, right, well, the Bible says the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. Yeah, and the devil is a thief. Let, let, me, let me give you this illustration. If, if a little five-year-old was at Target and they were there with $50 of their Target money from their birthday and somebody went up to them and showed them a bunch of, you know those chocolate gold coins? And so, look how shiny these are. I'll give you, I'll give you 10 of them for that $50. Well, a five-year-old would do it because it's shiny, it's flashy. Now, that's still a, a thief. See, that's how the devil does it. He comes to you with his proposal and it's all shiny and flashy. And then we surrender him our joy and our victory and our peace and our serenity. But he can't just snatch it. John 10 said he, he can't. He can't pluck it. You don't have that power. How do we defeat him then? Right here. Oh, I can't wait till I get to church on Sunday. I'm going to defeat the devil. Get in the Word. I, 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 you know, look, I, I, if this is disappointing, I'm sorry. There's, I, Maybe you thought I was coming in with three ways to, you know, shout the victory down or five ways to pray the glory. It's as simple as we are ignorant of our inheritance when we are ignorant of the will. He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Your life is not on the rocks because the devil's powerful. It's because you haven't tapped into the wheel yet. And when you understand who you are as a joint heir with Christ, all of a sudden, you don't take things you used to take. And you don't get as timid and back down to the threats of the enemy. You stand up ramrod straight and say, I know who I am. I am more than a conqueror. Stand with me tonight. I'm more than a conqueror. Oh, hallelujah. So it's in the will. It's in the will. You, you, you got to get in the word. That's all. That's it. Just get in the Word. Read it. Love it. The answer for everything is right here. Your peace, it's right here. Joy, contentment, all of that is right here. God has laid this in our lap. He said everything you need to know is right there. What's God's plan for my life? Can I have it?
I hope that didn't burst your bubble too much. Because we want that quick. Just tell me to shout and get them on the drums and I'll, I'll shout, I'll dance all over this place to get a new job. I'll dance all over this place to get a new car. I'll roll on the floor. I'll spit. And I'll do everything I got to do to get. It's as simple as knowing this and being confident as a beneficiary of the benefactor. Won't you lift your hands right now to the Lord and just just thank him that we get to be in fellowship with him. Hallelujah. Oh Lord, I thank you tonight. I feel strength moving into this place right now. It's an enemy that tries to deceive and bind us and blame us and accuse us. Oh, in the name of Jesus right now. Lord, I want to know more. I want to know your word more. I want to hide it deep in my soul. I want to hide it in the marrow of my bone. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.